Hello, welcome. Good to see you all. So we'll begin with uh, taking refuge. You're welcome to join along if you'd like. I like to start all Dharma talks by taking refuge. It's just an important practice in our tradition to remember uh, that we're always supported. Uh, so I'll begin. I take refuge in the Buddha. I take refuge in the Dharma. And I take refuge in Sangha. So I'd like to start today's talk with a poem. Uh, this poem is called Simple Generosity. Today I am appreciating simple generosities, the way things in the act of being just as they are make abundant offerings. Like how Compacta's crimson leaves carry such a robust red that I myself begin to blush, a warmth that fills me from the inside out. And what of sidewalks, even the seemingly broken ones, who give unwavering support for every one of my footfalls, each step a secret meeting of endless generosity. And neighbors, with their kind hearts, create, create Halloween dioramas on their porches, sacred altars to the trickster, the child, the spooky, the already dead. Jack-o'-lanterns carved to, to resemble each one of our faces. Oh, and the locust, in their perfect row along this street of bricks, how they wave their honey golden limbs in praise of sun and wind and every passerby. Oh, the simple generosities of chair and cup, of spoon and soil, of red-tailed squirrel and house wren, of pumpkin and marigold, their bright orange faces that rise up and open to the world. Today is the day where I will receive your bounty. I will see each of you for the blessing that you are. And, per and perhaps in doing so, I will honor the generosity of my own life, not for the acts done, nor the gifts given, but for the gift that is my life, just as I am. So today we are exploring generosity or dana paramita. Uh, we're talking about uh, the six paramitas during our ongo practice period. And I love this analogy of the paramitas. So one way of translating paramita is uh, the crossing over to the other shore. 
And Thich Nhat Hanh, yet last week I read a quote from Thich Nhat Hanh and he was talking about how usually we're on the shore of suffering or isolation or fear and the paramitas are a practice to help us help bring us to the shore of well-being presence awakening another way of saying this is recognizing awakening the paramitas in the midst of the suffering world in this this world of chaos and occasional suffering or depending on our state of mind uh, constant suffering we can awaken the paramitas we can practice the paramitas and then they're awakened the qualities of the paramitas are awakened in our heart right in the midst of whatever challenge whatever we're facing whatever fear whatever anxiety So I want to, uh, as we explore the paramitas on Monday nights, I want to use the framework of the three bodies of the Buddha, which is really a framework of looking at the paramitas from the perspective of uh, outer, inner, and secret, which is a framework I come back to. So those of you who've um, been coming to Monday nights or my teachings when I was teaching at the temple, you may have heard this framework before. I find it to be a really helpful framework for looking at things that are like the paramitas or the, or the precepts which we can understand and appreciate on these different levels of our being. Uh, so today I'll start with the secret. You could really start with any of them, uh, but today I'll start with the secret. And the secret teaching is perhaps what's most hidden and most obvious. So the secret teaching of generosity, all the the secret aspects of the precepts or the paramitas are pointing to some aspect of reality, some aspect of what we could call the nature of mind, the nature of being. So the secret teaching of generosity is a reminder that the nature of our being is generous. Every November at the monastery, we would do a sashin themed around generosity. It used to be called generosity sashin, but then we started to feel like people would interpret that as you should be generous to us. And that wasn't quite the message we were going for. So we changed it to gratitude, but it used to be called generosity. And um, when Chosen Roshi would teach that, that Sashin, she would often give the whole group this koan to reflect on. And the koan is very simple. It's the question, what am I being given? What am I being given? So that is one way that we could work with this precept or this um, paramita of generosity to carry that question. And usually it's, it's interesting to carry that question for a week of retreat practice where you're like just really slowing down and your mind is getting uh, usually perhaps a little more simple and you're coming into a more receptive awareness. So usually when we start with a koan like that, we start noticing things. We start noticing, oh, I'm being given this food in my bowl or shelter, or these kind people who I'm practicing with. 
And as the sashim progresses, people start to see, you know, not to be cliche, but everything as a gift. And really, you know, that's not a concept. We can make that a concept. We can say, oh yeah, everything's a gift. Check, got that koan, done. But when we like really sit with that koan, sit with that question, we face some things that you might not think of as a gift. Some challenging emotions come up, some difficult situations. And yet, as the mind unhooks from blame and shame, we can see even the most challenging situations in our lives as a gift from the inside, from the inside of our experience. So this is not a teaching that says everything should be a gift and you just need to see that. This isn't a teaching that we tell other people that their lives should, they should see their lives as a gift. This is a real deep invitation to contemplate what am I being given? And maybe you won't come to the conclusion. Hopefully we don't come to a conclusion with this, but maybe you won't come to everything's a gift, but maybe you'll start seeing more and more the gift that is um, being given moment to moment. Is life a gift? So perhaps also we can touch an insight like this in meditation where the ordinary waves of the mind settle or we become less interested in trying to settle them and can relax back into awareness. I've been thinking about this analogy a lot in the last couple of days of, of the ocean of awareness. And so often we're you know, just struggling in those waves which are on the surface of the ocean, but awareness is is this deep, vast ocean, and the waves are just on the surface. So sometimes in meditation, even when the waves are happening in all the ways that they do, we don't need to necessarily calm the waves, but just realize that we're in an ocean, that it's not just waves. And sometimes that can look like, you know, just opening, opening our awareness where thought is just an aspect of awareness. And so when we can relax back into awareness, the, the mind ground, the source, we can feel and know the precious budding of new life taking form, moment, moment by moment. Our senses are always full. And usually we're, we're kind of grasping at things with our senses. Like a sound appears, we like it, we don't like it. Or we're like looking around in our visual field and noticing thing, 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 thing. But when we relax back into awareness, we're relaxing into this, this seamless field of being. So less, less about the distinctions and more like the fullness, 
So to take in the fullness of the visual field, we're taking in color and light, to take in the fullness of the soundscape, the fullness of embodied sensation. The senses are full. And there's a subtle pleasure in simply being aware prior to all content. So we can come to know and experience the utter creativity of life happening through us. And sometimes in moments like that, we're often filled with gratitude. Gratitude and generosity really are two sides perhaps of the same coin, are really go together. In Zen, sometimes we also refer to the emptiness of the three wheels, giver, receiver, and gift. Where gratitude and generosity meet and dance together. So Zazen and retreat practice are probably the best ways to familiarize ourselves with the innate generosity of life itself. And this is something that we can tune into throughout our daily life. Stepping back from the contents of our thinking minds and you know, for moments at a time resting in open receptive awareness, just receiving, receiving the visual field, receiving sound, receiving smells and tastes and body sensations and thought, receiving the magical display of this dream we call life. Receiving perhaps the nourishment of color. This time of year, I finally get what people have been telling me about the East Coast, and I'm, I'm in Ohio now, and the, the, the color of the, um, the leaves, and it's just phen phenomenal. At first, it was just the maple trees, and I was like, oh, this is pretty good, but are they, is it going to go one tree at a time? Like, everything's so green still. And then just in the last three days, it just, like, all the trees are turning. And it's amazing. It's amazing to take in such vibrant color. And that's the part, sometimes, you know, we don't see that, even if it's right in front of our faces, but, like, everything has such a vibrancy to it. Every, everything we encounter has a, such a life force to it. And so when we are like slowed down or in a more receptive awareness, we can you know, see the gift of each being just as it is. Like that poem that I read in the beginning, this invitation. It's an act of generosity on our part to allow things to be just as they are to really see someone for who they are, 
without our projections on them, without how we want them to be or how they should be or how this cup should be or how this Dharma talk should be, but to just receive it as it is. It's like we see the preciousness, the uniqueness of something. And perhaps then we also can do that for ourselves, to allow ourselves to be just as we are, to see the gift of this being manifesting in this way, just as they are. Dogen Zenji has um, a, a writing about the four practices of a bodhisattva. And um, generosity or giving is the first one. And from that fascicle, I'll read some quotes from that fascicle throughout uh, the Dharma talk. And in one of them, he says, when you leave the way to the way, you attain the way. When you leave the way to the way, you attain the way. There's another Zen teacher, I think it was Uchiyama Roshi, it might have been Zen Master Ikkyu, who said, attain non-attainment. Similar. When you just let things be as they are, this whole idea of attaining generosity, it just like slips away. You are generosity. I call that this the secret teaching of generosity. We're talking more about the essence of mind. And that's not the only level that we live in. So there's also this inner aspect of generosity, which has more to do with how we're actively cultivating our hearts and minds. So while generosity is innate in us and innate in all beings, sometimes we need to water the seed. Sometimes we need to do special practices to grow the the heart, to grow this flower of generosity. One way is like letting things clear and feeling, experiencing the generosity of life itself. And another way is living generosity in our hearts and our minds and then in our actions. So the inner aspect has more to do with the practice of attitude cultivating a generous attitude. I've been appreciating Norman Fisher's book called The World Could Be Otherwise, where he's really looking at the six paramitas and inviting us to use our imaginations as a way of like growing the paramitas within our own life. So this is one way of cultivating generosity is awakening a generous attitude like the attitude of a bodhisattva. Dogen Zenji says in this fascicle on giving, offer flowers on a distant mountain to the Buddhas and bodhisattvas. Offer flowers on a distant mountain to the Buddhas and bodhisattvas. You know, part of our mind says, no, I can't, that's impossible. They're, they're far away. And another part of our mind might be like, yeah, yeah. All the flowers in the world to all beings, yes. 
the flowers, the marigolds on my altar, yes. I offer them to the Buddha, I offer them to the awakening and you and you and you. That's a, like, that's a way of practicing generosity, is holding a spirit of giving. You know, at the monastery, at every meal, we offer a morsel of food to the hungry spirits. This practice of, it doesn't make sense to the rational mind. Who are these hungry spirits? Are they really going to eat this food? But we're practicing giving. I remember I was going through the lunch line behind a 13-year-old once and I like grabbed like a piece of food that I didn't really want to eat and it was quite small and she looked at me and she's like, where's your generosity? And I was like, oh, that's a good reminder. This is a practice of generosity. It's not about getting rid of what you don't want. It's, a pra- it's an ongoing practice. In, in the Zen tradition, we often, after a meditation session, like when you're on retreat or at the monastery, there's a dedication of merit for, for our practice. We dedicate our practice to all beings. Or we dedicate our practice to people in our lives or in the lives of the Sangha who are sick or who are suffering. This also, it has, you know, we're using our imaginations. It's the spirit of generosity. Like, yes, everything that I cultivated on the cushion, yes, I'm giving it away. It's never been mine. And in a way, like in doing that, it doesn't actually go away. It actually multiplies. When we try to hold on to it, it gets smaller. So that's the principle. And there is like, there is a a spiritual dimension to that. When we practice giving, we actually often feel more full. And we can practice giving in this imaginative way. But it's not like fake imagination. It's like we're we're really generating that desire that all beings be free or that like we're really extending compassion out. Not knowing if the person can really feel it, but it's a practice for our own heart. And pro- perhaps they can. It's the same principle that operates in loving kindness when we're sending loving kindness to those who we care about or concerned for or, or our loved ones or those who are suffering in the world. It's a practice I return to again and again when I don't know what to do. You know, there's a war in the Middle East, like so much suffering, extending loving kindness is a way of staying engaged without shutting down. It's a way of practicing this generous heart, forgiving. It's another way of practicing this generous heart or chanting, doing, we were talking a, few weeks ago about devotional practices. Those are practices that really awaken the generous heart, like chanting practice or doing prostrations, bows. So even if we feel like we have nothing to give, we can practice an attitude of generosity. 
And one support I find is staying in touch with, again, with gratitude and interconnection. So one way I've been working with generosity this week is when I interact with the objects in my life to connect with them as, as, as they are living beings, as if they were living beings, or to really see their life, the life of the cup. To remember that everything and everyone, for that matter, has a life beyond me and is part of my life in the moment that we interact. Like in the moment that you interact with, I have a cup here, so the cup keeps coming into mind. But you know, when, when I interact with this cup, if I see this cup and my life as one life right now, you know, it's totally connected to my life. It is my life. It's you know, connected to my visual field and my touch sensations inseparable from me so that's one truth of everything we interact with in the moment we're interacting with it it is our life we're caring for our life our big life life in the greatest sense of the word life but also that everything we interact with is part of this network of being it has a life beyond us (laughs) in a way like it was, you know, made by, crafted by someone or many someones. So many other beings and life energy went into the bread I ate for breakfast, the coffee I drink, the medicine I take, the clothes I wear, the books I read, the computer I use, the plates, the furniture, everything I interact with, any, everything I think I own has this life beyond my life and hopefully will continue beyond my life. We're just really borrowing everything we think we own. And, and, and that can generate an attitude of, may I be a good steward of the land, of the earth, of these objects while I can. While I am in relation, may I be in right relation with all that I encounter. Dogen Zenji says, giving flowers to the wind and birds to the seasons are also acts of giving. Giving flowers to the wind and birds to the seasons are also acts of giving. Another way of practicing giving in this inner dimension is giving our attention. To give attention to the details of life is nourishing for ourselves and it's also nourishing for others. To give attention through our senses often involves slowing down and really noticing, noticing the changing colors of the leaves or this tree in particular, or again, like noticing the, the stuff or objects, these seemingly inanimate beings that we interact with. This is part of coming back into relationship with the more than human world, is giving our attention to all the beings that make up our life. 
including our friends and our families and our coworkers. When we really attend to something, it's, it's an exchange of love. Flora Courtois, who is a practitioner at the ZCLA, uh, she has this beautiful quote that we come back to again and again, uh, is, attention is love. Attention is love. The inner dimension of uh, the Dana Paramita is also uh, an inquiry into how we practice meditation. So what does it look like to cultivate a generous attitude on the cushion in our zazen? Giving attention to the breath, giving attention to listening, letting go of distractions. Generosity has this quality of openness. Robert Aiken said, open the hand of thought. Appreciating can also be an act of generosity. Appreciating our life. Feeling our feelings can also be an act of generosity. Allowing ourselves to be as we are includes allowing ourselves to feel the feelings, the sensations that move through our bodies, that move through our lives. Dogen Zenji says, giving ourselves, giving to ourselves, sorry, giving to ourselves is an act of generosity that we should not overlook. Giving to ourselves is an act of generosity that we should not overlook. Someone shared a video with me recently of a time-lapse dahlia blooming. And in the video, the dahlia opens and then it contracts. And then it opens a little bit more and then it contracts. And then it opens a little bit more and then it contracts. And it keeps doing this all through its blooming cycle. So I don't know, I often just think that like flowers just open. <laughs> But like it opens and it contracts. It's so much more like what happens in us. We, you know, we're talking about generosity and generosity has this quality of openness. And so then we can get this idea of like, oh, I should be open all the time. I should always be giving. But, you know, giving goes both ways. We're also talking about being generous with ourselves. And so this natural cycle sometimes you know giving looks like outward giving and sometimes giving looks like inward turning which maybe feels more like a contraction but it's a, a giving a learning to attend to our own needs now, sometimes we can get stuck in being contracted and not even notice it and we can also get stuck in being expanded and not even notice it until perhaps we get sick or burned out. So perhaps part of practicing generosity with ourselves may be giving ourselves permission to contract, maybe even supporting ourselves in our contractions with good rest, with hours a day or days a month that are 
unplanned or unscheduled. Imagine that. Doing nourishing things for ourselves. And another way of practicing generosity, of course, is, is noticing what prevents us from being generous. This is an important part. You know, we can tell ourselves, we can have this inner voice that comes in that just says, be generous, be generous, be generous. And yet, like something clouds over the heart. There is a contraction. We feel our hands, our hearts, or our minds clench up. And we can ask, we can be curious, is this a natural contraction coming from wisdom? Or is this coming from reactivity? There's like, there's the difference between a clean no, like I really want to spend the day alone. No, you know, no offense. I'm not going to participate in that activity or call that friend. I'm really going to just take time for myself. And that can feel a lot different than a passive aggressive no, a walling ourselves off from a loved one for two days or retreating in fear or insecurity. And so that's where like this, this utter honesty with ourselves and, and, and we're also just getting to know ourselves in this practice of, of, you know, what is healthy contraction, like the Dahlia perhaps, natural contraction, and what is a reactive contraction? And, you know, and what, you know, what can we do? We like bring curiosity to that. We bring compassion and kindness to that. And we can just, you know, study because, you know, a reactive contraction is coming from somewhere. It's not bad. We're not bad for being reactive, but we can learn to like bring more awareness to it and, you know, understand, well, what's going on for me there? And perhaps that gives us, empowers us to change a habit, change a, a behavior, let go of a fixed belief, bring compassion or kindness to a vulnerable part of us that got triggered. Well, the uh, final aspect of generosity is the outer dimension. And I'll leave you with this, with uh, a contemplation on what, what does it mean to bring generosity into your relationships, into your activity? This is often the place we think of, of generosity, I think, is like, oh, what am I doing? How am I giving? So from this place of like looking at you know, the secret dimension, the generosity that's always there, and the inner attitude of generosity, what is practicing generosity with the body in activity in your relationships? What does that look like? And generosity without seeking return, without seeking something in return is, is aspirational. And so you know, we can hold out that aspiration and then just notice you know, when other motives creep in. So I appreciate, one thing I'm appreciating about the Paramitas is it's uh, a reminder. Like, you know, we remind ourselves probably from time to time about what generosity is and that we value it often, that we value it, that it feels good to be generous. And then, you know, perhaps we forget about it and focus on other things in our practice. So this 
week, you know, we're focusing on generosity and you can just notice, maybe notice any of these dimensions of uh, generosity in your own life. I found this week that just having the reminder has just kept me you know, more in relationship to the spirit of generosity, to how it feels in my body, to be cultivating a heart of generosity, how it feels in my mind to notice the generosity that's already present, uh, to carry around this question, what am I being given? So next week, um, I want to do a special ceremony and talk on the hungry ghost, which I feel like the hungry ghost and this uh, quality, this paramita of generosity really go together. Uh, it's something that we usually do at the monastery um, around the end of October uh, as a way of kind of honoring or appreciating this time of year when, you know, in some traditions there's the belief or understanding that the veil between life and death is more thin, the veil between worlds is more thin. Um, and it's also a way of honoring this energy in ourselves that, that has a lot of wanting, desire, longs for, and especially the parts of us that long for things that maybe we feel a little ashamed about or um, feel like are a little dangerous to long for. So it's like just appreciating um, learning to appreciate and, and honor these parts of ourselves and perhaps get curious about what, what maybe they really want or really need. Maybe it isn't the next drink or uh, the play video games all day. Maybe there's a deeper longing underneath that. Um, so I'll talk more about the hungry ghost energy next week and um, invitation if you're coming next week, you could bring a little offering for your hungry ghost and we'll do a short ceremony. All right, so I'll end there. Um, love to keep, make some space for any questions, if anyone has anything you'd like to ask or share.